Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Hello and a warm welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. I appreciate you so much taking the time to tune into the podcast. Plenty of news around British basketball at the minute. As we reach the end of the season, to keep up to date, head to mvp247.com or search for us on your social channels. So, to our guest, we've got just two weekends left of the domestic season in the BBL and the WBBL semi-final weekend ahead in the playoffs. Two legs in the BBL, it's London against Bristol Leicester against Glasgow but only one team in position to collect a treble in the BBL this term Riders again the dominant force on their floor general picking up his second straight BBL player of the year award on Tuesday we've been wanting to have him on the pod for quite some time I'm delighted he's here Gino Crandall the newly crowned re-upped player of the year welcome to the MVP cast yeah thank you for having me uh glad we were finally able to to, to hop on the podcast and find a time that, that worked out for us me too um first of all let's talk about the award congratulations um i know you could trot out all those cliches about it you know it, it belongs to my teammates as much as me the team awards <laughs> and the success means more but yeah uh, what what does it mean to you when you know a group of people in this case the journalists you know we're not the ultimate you know sole authorities but you know this is our word that's what we've given it to you what does those individual accolades amongst everything else mean to you yeah uh first off you must have read my notes or something you hit off every cliche i was going to mention but (laughs) that's why i cut you off (laughs) but (laughs) yeah no i mean i i I think it's um you know it's 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 a really humbling award i think it is nice to uh, to be recognized for anything i think anybody in any field would say um especially when you put the time and you know dedication and the hours and and um and, and whatnot that goes into professional sports and um you know the being away from your family all, all that it's uh you know it gets tough so i think anytime you're able to um receive any type of recognition or any award especially you know something of of this stature is definitely something that you know i i take pride in um and, you know, I, I got to throw the one cliche out there. It definitely, to me, does feel like a team thing, you know, um, because I, I think that a lot of times people are going to award, you know, awards such as this to a team that's winning and nobody wins on their own. Um, you know, nobody loses on their own. Your your, your success is going to really be determined by the people you have around you. And I've been really fortunate this year and, and last year to have, you know, a great team, great coaches, great staff around me. You got the league, you got the BBL trophy playoffs coming just five defeats all season which is an absolutely phenomenal level of consistency i mean coach paranostri always sets high targets but you know you you understood the league a little bit from being here last year would you say it still exceeded expectations this term um you know i i think we probably did i think um you know for for ourselves i think we definitely had a goal to to do better i think you know we got a lot of guys you know robert or coach rob excuse me myself uh just a lot of guys that, that that are opposed to being stagnant you know and being content with where we were at last year so i think we definitely had you know our eyes set a little higher um but i think you know people probably thought that we had a a, a similar core group of guys coming back and maybe plugged in pieces here where we had lost some guys last year so it was going to be similar and i think we've gone out this year and um you know definitely one up to what we were able to do last year i think we, we've been more consistent um i think we've been more dominant at times i think we've had 
you know, a deeper roster, more guys, you know, night in and night out that might be the ones who have their game, you know. So I think we've definitely um, surpassed what, what most people's expectations were for us probably. I mean, good teams are always a, you know, they're a mix of talent, they're a mix of great coaching, but there's always sort of some X factor lurking in the background, whether it's, you know, the, the kind of relentless focus of the Warriors or that sort of drive of, of shocking Kobe's Lakers, but with all the friction behind the scenes. I mean, is there something secret we're not seeing about why you guys have been so good? <laughs> um, you know, the the only secret I could maybe say is just the consistency. I think you know, for for the entire what is it, six, seven months, eight months of the year, whatever, we've uh we've been able to be really dialed into you know some of the mundane stuff, you know, the scouting reports or the getting better on days where we're just focusing on us or you know running through our plays. Um, you know, even just if we're coming in to just get a shooting practice or guys going in to get treatment, I think we've been, uh, you know, really, really uh, outstanding at just being professionals and realizing that, you know, to be great over the course of, uh, you know, again, the seven, eight months, whatever it is, you, you got to want to be great every day. And greatness isn't always doing something, you know, extraordinary. I had a, a high school coach who also, also always used to tell us, um, you know, extraordinary is just being consistently ordinary because it's hard for people to just do the small things right every single day. And I think we've been really good at doing those small things right every single day, and I think it's paid off for us. How ambitious are you, I mean, individually here, but how ambitious are you as a player? You know, this is your career. I mean, you're 25 years of age now, so it's still relatively early in your, your pro career. But what's that level of drive that you have to, you know, you talked you know, about workouts last summer, and you, know, you talked about, you know, you're looking for, for better for yourself. But you, know, what's the drive within you, and where does it come from to to be better and, and you know, possibly play at a higher level at some point? Yeah, I think um, you know, I, I think I am a person with a really high drive and a really high uh, sense of whatever I'm doing. I want to uh, to be the best that I can be at it. And um, when it comes to basketball, I just feel it's the one thing in life I'm really, really good at. So you know, beyond wanting to be the best that I can be, I kind of just want to be one of the best there is. Period. <laughs> So it's a, a tall ladder to climb, but I think I definitely is. It's it's something where I want to be, you know, constantly improving, constantly getting better, constantly working my way up uh, of the basketball ladder and the basketball food chain. Um, I'm not quite sure where it comes from. Again, it might just be one of those things where you've put so much time into something that it feels like, uh, you know, one more hour of work or one more year of working hard to get to the next thing. It never feels like that much when you look back at how far you've come. So, um, you know, yeah, I just, I don't know. There's some some force behind me or maybe it's some force in front of me that's pulling me to get to to where I want to be at but um you know there, there, there's something there definitely I mean this is probably an unfair question to ask with two weeks of the season left but where does the decision process come for you when you look at your career ahead you know is it is it the opportunity as has been speculated that Leicester might play in Europe so there might be another dimension to playing for the riders I mean is it is it looking at a different league and going, you know, I could improve or get a different challenge there. I mean, how do you evaluate your career path? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think when it comes to making, you know, the next step or the next decision, it's always for me is, um, you know, consulting with, with my family and with the people I trust. Um, and, you know, kind of like you said, just, just asking myself, what are the challenges? Uh, what are the benefits to any situation, whatever it might be, you know, Obviously, again, when you talk about wanting to climb the basketball ladder, if, if riders are able to play in Europe, that's something that would be a, you know, a, a big part of any considerations for me. Um, 
you know, just because I think that, uh, again, kind of the, the, the fear of being stagnant, um, you know, you look at back-to-back um, league titles and it's it's almost like, you know, outside of winning three or four, all four of the trophies, you know, what more can we do, um, you know, at this point? So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a complex thing and something that's that's been weighing on me, you know, for this second portion of the season and something that we're working to uh, – Myself, you know, obviously the the staff at at Leicester and, uh, you know, my family were all trying to kind of figure out what is going to be that next step. So uh, it sucks that I'm not able to, you know, give any like surprise announcements because I don't know yet. But, um, yeah, we're we're definitely trying to to figure all of that out and and see what will be next. Is there any kind of sense of, of not wanting to stay inside a comfort zone? You know, when you're at this point in your career and you're three seasons in as a pro, it would be very easy to to stay in Leicester, to be you know that the hero that everyone loves, and you you know you'll compete every single year. I mean, you know, but with the ambition level that you have, I mean, do you will you kind of go home and go well? Okay, I don't need to take the easy option. I could choose something that's a bit more awkward or tricky, or you know, I'm trying the unknown here. Definitely, um, I think you know people can get trapped you know in comfort zones and, and wanting to take the option that's the easiest or the most familiar um you know and sometimes that can be a good thing or sometimes you know it, again you can just end up doing the same thing over and over and uh you know not not experiencing new things not realizing new goals or new dreams and um that's just something that i think each person has to kind of weigh if if that's the direction they want to be heading and um yeah, so for me, I, I think there definitely is kind of a uh, a fear of, of being too comfortable and, and just, you know, staying in, in the comfort zone, maintaining that status quo type of thing. You, um, you grew up in Minneapolis, so middle of America, but then you go to college, initially at North Dakota, which I'm, I was looking at the map earlier, it's the middle of nowhere. Is that an example <laughs> of pushing out of your comfort zone? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, they were my first really uh, Division One offer, and they were a school that you know was was really really heavy on recruiting me, and I knew that was something I wanted was um, to to go somewhere that I was wanted. I didn't want to be one of those guys that you know end up going to a place because all the things the coaches are saying sounds like the right things, and then you end up getting buried at the end of the bench and you know have a miserable four years. Um, so, you know, I wanted to go somewhere I was wanted, but I also knew that it was going to be a very, very, very different experience than I had growing up, um, not only, you know, culturally, but also basketball-wise. Um, the way we were playing there was a little different than um, what I was familiar with growing up, the way we played in high school. So it was, um, you know, yeah, just stepping outside of a comfort zone. And then, you know, my decision to transfer uh, to Gonzaga, again, was another example of, you know, I'd spent three years – at North Dakota had a really, really good college career um, and decided, you know, that there was more out there that I couldn't be satisfied with just what I had done and rest on those laurels that I wanted to go try and prove myself and make a name, you know, at a higher level. And so, um, yeah, I guess it, yeah, that, that the comfort zone thing has kind of been a big, big driver for me. Cause you had already graduated when you left North Dakota. Is that correct? Yep. How important was it to make sure you had that degree first? Um, it was huge for me. Um, you know, my parents always, always, uh, pushed on me the importance of of education, excuse me. And then, um, you know, once you get there, it kind of feels like one of those things, especially that far along where you're like, you know, I have this much done. 
kind of doesn't make sense to uh to to give up now and so you know when when the decision was coming for me to transfer i i only had a few courses left that i had to finish up um and also you know that's part of that was part of the deal at the time it was before this uh one time transfer thing that they have in the NCAA now so you couldn't i couldn't transfer unless i had graduated first like once you fulfill your basically graduation like commitment to the school to graduate you're you're free to go and begin your master's somewhere else and um so you know it was it was a big thing for me personally but also you know career-wise obviously it made the transfer possible me uh getting the schoolwork done is there a bit of a i guess i suppose it's 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 a freebie there's a new pressure thing when you're a graduate transfer but you get to go to gonzaga and you know it's like it's a one-year thing so it's again it's all very fixed and it's it's very defined but you're playing at a school that's you know, over the last two decades has been one of the biggest schools, probably beyond that as well. And, you know, the big name everyone will have heard of that went to Gonzaga was John Stockton. Um, but going there and you say the chance to play at a higher level, how much does that re-energize you as a young player going, you know, I'm not just playing to play here. I'm playing because I've got a shot at a title. Yeah, um, it was it was really exciting for me. Um, you know, I think I had one of my best summers um, you know, our off seasons, excuse me, um, just of the work that I was able to put in and um, just kind of the grind of every day, really striving to get better because I knew that it was going to be a situation where, again, you can't really rest on your laurels. You know, I was, you know, a highly touted transfer or whatever, you know, was getting recruited by a bunch of people. But at the end of the day, if you come in and you don't perform, it's all for nothing. Um, so I definitely was 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 eager at the opportunity, and um, like you mentioned, you know, it's playing for a title is is different, especially uh, in college basketball. You know, where you have the NCAA tournament, you have March Madness, um, and you know, I was at North Dakota, small school. We went to March Madness for the first time in school history while I was there, and you know, it was fun. But like that was the big deal, just making the tournament. Whereas you know, at Gonzaga, we were kind of expecting to at least have a shot at winning it. And it's it's kind of a whole different ball game when you have that mindset going into a season and then have to carry on with those expectations throughout the, the entire season. Can you quantify the change in that dynamic from you know going into the gym even day one at Gonzaga to in that sort of feeling of we're looking at the latter stages of March Madness rather than, wow, if we made it, it would be the biggest thing ever. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the easiest way to, to, to try and quantify it and just put it in, you know, easily understandable words is, you know, every guy that was on the court was bigger, faster, stronger than I was used to, um, you know, and, and everything felt a little more serious, a little more uh, professional, maybe, you know, I think the way we ran practices at the gym, um, the way everybody handled themselves and carried themselves, whether it was, you know, nutrition and diet or things in the weight room or, you know, the traveling. Uh, everything was was just elevated up a notch. It, it it kind of felt like making a jump from you know amateurs to professional. Did you get to meet John Stockton? Yeah, I, I had a few times. Um, you know, really nice guy. Is around the program a lot. You know, he, he lives in Spokane. Still, is is a season ticket holder. Goes to every game. So, um, and is super involved with the program and with any players that you know are are willing to reach out to him. So, I mean, here's the guy. Still, you know, the NBA's all-time assist leader. You know, he's a point guard. You're a point guard most of the time. Um, do you pick his brains? Do you ask him anything? I was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really good at asking people too much uh, <laughs> for help. I always feel like I'm bothering people. So I was actually, you know, a, a bit of an admirer from a distance. Um, definitely, there were times where, you know, after a game or whatever, he would just be around, and as a group, guys would ask him questions or he'd share his thoughts on the game. 
Um, you know, and again, was always willing to, to, to offer advice, but I always like, I, I'm always a guy, I'm not going to bother somebody, uh, too often, you know, it, there, there definitely could be cases where I'll reach out and, and ask for help from other people. But, but, uh, John Stockton was one of those guys that he, he was kind of, you know, larger than life, you know, at the moment to me. And I was like, yeah, I, I probably should ask that guy for some help, but how do you go about that? So what's the, uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, the best piece of advice I've ever received. Um, yeah, I mean, to to paraphrase, you know, I can't think of exact quotes, but my high school coach, um, Dave Thorson, who's now an, an assistant at the University of Minnesota, um, he just kind of, one thing he really instilled in me was just to, to take myself seriously, um, not only as a basketball player, but just as, as a person, as a man, as anything I, I wanted to be. He kind of really instilled in me, you know, the importance of professionalism at a young age and you know, maybe professionalism is not the right word because obviously we weren't professionals at the time, but he just kind of always, you know, was, was stressing to, um, you know, just be conscious of the, the way you act, the things you do, the things you say, because, um, you know, ultimately all of that is a reflection on who you are as a person. And I think he was, uh, you know, one of the first people that really, really made me um, just conscious of, of what the name Gino Crandall was going to mean to other people. You know, you never want people to hear your name and, and think bad things about you. And so he, you know, was one of the first people that, that made me really uh, think a lot about what that would mean to me. And then also just how I handled myself, you know, basketball and career wise. He just was 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 very adamant and stressing that, you know, myself and then all of my teammates that we just needed to take ourselves seriously in whatever it is that we wanted to do. I mean, probably an extension of that from putting two and two together in a sense is how we we might view in social media. And you, you talk a lot, probably unsurprisingly for someone from Minneapolis, um, about issues like social justice. And you know, George Floyd is, of course, the issue that people will associate from the last few years around Minneapolis and everything that happened around that. Um, I mean, I know you grew up there within, within the city and I, I guess we'd call a lower income area. How much or in what ways did did your background in the, in the community that you grew up in sort of shape how you feel about that whole area of, of justice and equality, et cetera? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, my experiences growing up were, were huge in shaping, um, you know, even the way just I'd see things and think about things and experience things now. Um, I think I've been really fortunate, you know, to travel all around the world, travel all around the U S um, have all these different experiences with different, all these different people. And, um, you know, I, I had always, you know, kind of takes me back to thinking about how, I guess, opportunities are kind of limited in certain, you know, areas. Um, so for me, like, you know, I, I probably couldn't have imagined, um, you know, living in, in the UK or, you know, living in the Czech Republic at one time or traveling around the world to play basketball or, you know, having friends that are in the NBA or, you know, having friends and acquaintances that do this or do that or all, you know, all types of things. And, um, so, you know, I think just the, the wider my lens is able to get, um, regarding those things, it kind of helps me to, to focus and conceptualize some of the things that may be wrong. Um, with the way that I grew up in the area that I grew up in. Um, Cause you just see all these other things and you're saying, Hey, why can't it be like that everywhere? Or why can't everything be like that? And so, you know, yeah, I've, I've tended to be 
outspoken about those sorts of things because they're really important to me and really close to my heart. And I know that, you know, for, for every person like me that was able to, you know, kind of cliche, make it out of those situations or whatever, you know, there's a hundred kids that won't have the opportunities that I've had. And so just, uh, and you know, whether that's due to violence or whether it's due to, you know, systemic issues and the opportunities just not presented is whatever. But I just think it's, you know, important for me to always try and highlight first and foremost, and then in any ways I can help to, you know, combat some of those issues. What's the, what were the biggest issues for you? I mean, growing up, when you look around the landscape, we're all shaped by the communities that we grew up and the things that go on around us, good and, good and bad. What stood out for you that, that now when you look back and you got a little bit of perspective from being you know, overseas and a little bit older, what stood out that kind of shaped you and said, you know, this, this is something that I... I should speak out against. This is something I should try and do something if I have the opportunity to, to impact on this. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things, and again, it's it's kind of, you know, the, the hot topic at the moment, especially with regard to Minneapolis, is just the um, the, the police injustice situation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the uh, unfairness in the way that certain communities are policed versus others and um, the interactions with police that some people have versus others. Um, it's something that, you know, I can remember even when I was younger, um, being warned about, um, you know, which is crazy. And then, you know, you always hear, oh, no, that's not a real thing. And, um, you know, there was actually just a recent um, investigation that came out from the Minnesota uh, Department of, oh, man, who was it? The DHR. Sorry, I should have looked it up before I hopped on the phone, but whatever. And a, a government, um, you know, entity basically came out and said, yeah, we have, you know, this proof of you know this wrong these wrongdoings from the, you know the Minneapolis Police Department dating back X amount of years whatever and um so that was that was one that I, I definitely you know recall and it shaped me and I'm just you know why is it that way uh and then another one that's really is just again the the opportunities that that young people are presented with you know coming from where I'm from it it just the more I experience and, and you know talk with other people or experience the opportunities that young people have elsewhere um it is just kind of always shocking that um you know that to to realize that you know the schools are grossly underfunded in in a lot of low-income inner city areas that uh you know there aren't you know the breadth of extracurricular activities that that students can have to help them become you know more well-rounded in life or just to keep them you know keep them busy um <laughs> So, you know, it's there, there, there's a ton of things. Those are ones that I definitely um, are, are important to me because I have direct experience with, you know, I, I don't know if it weren't for basketball and the sports that I played, you know, how, you know, my life could have turned out different and, and gotten involved in other things. So I think those are the two that um, definitely to me mean the most and are ones that I always feel compelled to uh, to speak out against and to, you know, try and do the, the best I can to, uh, to help rectify them as well. I mean, athletes' voices are so important. But I mean, we've seen the influence that, that athletes can have because you know, kids, especially young men, will listen to athletes. And there's, a, there's a, a role model element, I guess, to all that. When you're, when you're talking to people and you know, you're trying to use this in voice and, and the platforms that you're given, do you, do you sit down or, or how conscious are you of what's my, you know, what's my message? You know, what's my audience? You know, how, how can I make... The impact on the people who are listening to me whether you know it might be a young kid it might be someone it might be a peer even but have you kind of developed that voice and that 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 message in in thinking about the issues and how you might just make a difference 
yeah um you know i'm still trying to find the uh the the perfect ways to do all of that but um you know i i think that that um you know because i do a lot of work with kids when i'm back home as well i work um with nike camps and you know i'm just around the gym there's always kids in the gym that are always asking for advice or you know just wanting a chat or or you know even wanting mentorship so I, I do as much as i can in regard to that and i think you know always trying to take the tone of for me at least not someone who knows everything um but just somebody who who you know knows a little bit about a, a you know a select few things and, and that just genuinely you know cares and wants to help i think has been you know the best way for me in terms of messaging and then um you know on a larger scale you know, kind of the messaging to, um, to, to peers or even to, um, you know, other community figures or, or government people, you know, is, has been the biggest struggle. And I think it is for everybody that, you know, has kind of grassroots, um, you know, movements or, or ideas or whatever, because, um, you know, it's just hard. You know, I, I imagine elected officials have so much going on and so many things in their ears that, you know, for you to be able to get um, their attention, you really got to hammer the messaging home. And that's something that I hope to continue to, um, to improve upon and continue to, to be able to, um, you know, go in that direction because as much as I think, you know, it's, it's great. It's awesome helping kids out, you know, one-on-one or, or doing camps and clinics or whatever it may be and, and getting to be, you know, on the ground and, and in person with these kids, um, you know, unless there's a lot of, of change that can happen at higher up levels, you know, it's just, kind of going to be the same thing the next kids go on and you know now they're the ones doing the talking to other people which is great but i think systemically you need a lot of change as well and that's where you know the the messaging can play a huge part in in raising awareness and and um you know creating change rather than just kind of talking about it i guess how do you how do you take things from being in this country i mean you're you know an outsider but you've been here for a couple of years and you know it's a different kind of environment to to a lot of that but there are common themes and you know, I, I remember growing up I came to Britain for the first time I find it really jarring in a good way that the police weren't carrying guns you know it was like oh this is different and um, you're coming in as an outsider here but you're engaged with back home but you're exposed to some of these issues in, in this country and there's you know there's been a lot of conversation around that's been generated by what's happened in Minneapolis and other places like that and how do you kind of view the, through the prism of an American abroad how do you view some of those issues in in the UK? Yeah, you know it's 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 a hard uh, it's a hard thing to speak on, you know, because as as an athlete, as a professional athlete, I think kind of my experience is maybe a little sheltered, mm. um, you know, in the sense that I, you know, I'm not doing everything there is out there to do, or I'm not in all these places, you know, I live in, you know, the one place that I'm at, you know, Bristol and in Leicestershire, and you know, so my experiences are are, you know, a little narrow um, to, to, to really be able to, to explain all of that. But I mean, just to touch on the one you said, you know, the first the first thing I noticed really was, you know, you know, cops don't carry guns. There's not police, you know, doing patrols on, you know, every block and just harassing people like, you know, they're just there. to. And even, you know, when you do have an interaction, you know, with a police officer, it never feels, at least to me, again, in my experiences are, are pretty sheltered, but it's, it's never felt you know, condescending or aggressive in the way that I've had experiences with police officers in the States. Um, so I, I think that's one thing. And, and, you know, I don't know, again, it's, it's a hard one for me to really, um, you know, uh, to, to, to put too eloquently, cause I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't have a, a ton of experiences. Like I said, I, I, 
am somewhat sheltered to going to practice, going to the, the supermarket and going home. I mean, you mentioned though this summer you're doing the Nike camps again back in, back in Minnesota. Um, given the interests and the influences and the, the touch points for you, what are we more likely to see Gino Crandall doing in 10 years' time, running for political office or being a basketball coach? <laughs> I think basketball coach, definitely. <laughs> um, I don't, at least at the moment, I don't have too much desire to uh, to run for office. It's something that, you know, it's uh, not, I don't know too seriously that I've thought about it, but it's something that you think about, you know, because if, you know, you want change, that's obviously the way you're told you can enact changes. Well, you know, go be involved in politics, you know, be the, the voice for the voiceless or whatever. But I think, um, you know, my gift for, for helping people, I think definitely is um, best uh, represented through basketball. I think um, I've had a lot of coaches that really were able to help shape me and, and you know, shape who I am and, and have impacted me a lot and helped me get to where I am. And I, you know, if you know, I'm half as good as they were, then I'll be able to do that for, for a few uh, a few kids and change some people's lives in that way for the better, hopefully. We'll give you, we'll give you 20 years for politics. You've got a bit more time. <laughs> um, I mean, off the court here, I mean, unusually for an American coming here, and yeah, in a second year, I was, I was looking through your social media feeds because that's what I do ahead of podcasts. I stalk people. Um, but you've, <laughs> you've generated quite a lot of what we would call influencer work from different sponsors and everything, um, which is, you know, it's, it's impressive. Um, how have you developed that? Has it been something that consciously it's happened or have people just come to you and you've gone, yep, I can do that. Um, what's the methodology for you? Yeah, definitely not consciously at first. You know, I think um, just kind of last year, I think uh, a lot of the highlight plays, you know, last year just kind of did, did, did most of the work for me. Um, I guess I've, been told I settled down a little bit this year with, with the highlights. So I don't know whether that's good or bad, but, um, you know, I, no, I think, um, you know, I think basketball is, is a very influential sport in general. Cause I think it's one that, that has, you know, really easy access for people. You don't need much, but a ball and a hoop, you know, it's not like you need all this crazy equipment. So it's kind of, you know, I like to refer to it as, you know, it's kind of the every man's game, you know, any, anybody can do it really. Anybody can play. Um, so I think it's a really, really accessible, you know, sport that way. And, um, you know, I think uh, people have really just been kind of dying to, to, to have, you know, the, the, the basketball players to get behind, you know, and with so many British guys, um, you know, now coming back to the BBL, which is which is awesome and is going to be big for the league. But so many of the top British guys playing abroad, um, I think that just, you know, kind of the opportunity was there. And I've had, you know, some, some great people help me out along the way, you know, um, Pete, who works with her uh, or runs five or six, excuse me, a company that I work with and, uh, you know, does some work for the riders. Um, he's been huge in like kind of helping me through or navigate that commercial space. And, you know, I was always throwing my name in circles and, you know, asking me, what do I think about this or would I like to be involved in this or that? Um, so, you know, it's something that kind of just came on and, you know, ever since then it's, it's, it's kind of transitioned into, okay, we can be kind of selective and work with things that we think, align with the things we want or people that are willing to help us out in these ways or that ways. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's nothing I ever thought would, would happen or be possible. So it's kind of hard for me to, uh, express exactly what it's like. Cause it just feels like I kind of wake up and then Pete's like, Oh, Hey, do you want to do something with this company? And I'm like, yeah, sure. All right. 
Do you, do you feel that's important for the future? Because I mean, you're you're you are fortunate in a sense. You're with a club like Leicester, Russell Evanson, very savvy. Pete Simmons, who you mentioned, you're very sharp marketing brain on him. Um, but these are things, I guess. You know, we talk about transferable skills. I mean, these are things that in the future you'll be able to to use and perhaps develop in a different kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, like I said, Pete kind of helps me navigate, um, you know, that space that's that's a little bit foreign to me all the time. So I'm constantly learning things, you know, constantly learning, you know, how to brand myself um, as well as helping, you know, the brands that I work with, with their brands and, and kind of helping our, you know, align with what each of us want. And, um, you know, so again, like you said, I think it's a really, really transferable skill in, in today's world that's kind of dominated by marketability, it feels like, you know, um, everything kind of seems to be around what can attract the most views and get the most clicks and, and things of that nature. So, you know, yeah, long-term, I, I think it's something that definitely, definitely could, uh, could pay off just having, you know, this experience. How do you feel about the league? I mean, you're end of year two now, and it, you know, the league has changed a lot, even in the time you've been here with investment coming in. And there's a buzz around the game that, that probably hasn't been here for, for maybe two decades and this kind of level. You know, as a player sitting in the inside, you, you you went you said a season in the Czech Republic that was was ended by coronavirus. And you have an experience of top level NCAA. Um, what how do you feel about this this league at the moment as we you know we approach playoff final time? I mean, do you do you feel that there's something good happening? Is there is there a sense amongst yourself and other players that this this is becoming a more exciting place to be? Yeah, I think there's definitely a sense, um, you know, about, you know, the players in the league and the people around the league that it's, you know, a league that's growing and that's that's at least, you know, trying to work on itself and, and getting things to, to being where the league and the players and the fans want things to be. Um, you know, just a, a bit of a personal perspective, you know, I would say that it's probably the, the league in the world, you know, outside of the NBA, but I think the NBA is probably, you know, it is what it is at this point. I don't know how much growth there is other than, you know, just kind of staying on the path that it's on. But, um, you know, I would say that outside of the NBA, it's probably the league in the entire world that, that has the biggest potential, um, I would say. Uh, I think that when you think about, um, you know, from a player standpoint, I don't see why any Americans wouldn't want to play in, in the UK or play in the BBL. You know, you get to speak American. Um, culturally, it's not crazy different. Uh, you're probably going to have the shortest flights for yourself and your family coming over. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it's just a league that, that, that has a lot going right. You know, it's uh, especially especially if you're looking at getting, you know, younger guys, like really, really talented young guys, like fresh out of college. I would, you know, if I would have spent my first year here rather than in the Czech Republic, you know, I don't know if I ever would have wanted to leave because it's just so nice to be able to speak English. Um, and I was really, really, um, you know, welcome to that after, you know, spending a year over there, barely talking to anybody other than my teammates. But um you know, obviously there's the investment stuff and, and uh, there's definitely things that, that, that probably need fixing. But I think from a potential standpoint, um, as long as the country stays interested and, and is invested in the growth of the game, you know, across the board, not just of, of the BBL, then I think it's a league that will see its interest peaked, peaked as well, you know, as the, the interest in basketball just continues to climb. And, um, you know, I, I'm really uh, intrigued and interested to see what happens with this investment stuff and what direction the league is able to go uh, from here. What what does need fixing? If you you're sitting down, you know, someone gives you a blank sheet of paper, where would you? What's the 
the rapid improvements the improvements you would like to see oh man that's a tough one uh <laughs> i would just say that like the easy and i don't know the exact way to go about fixing it it's not like a you know do this 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 type of type of deal but i think just it, it feels like the league needs to um to take itself a little bit more serious sometimes it just feels like there are uh you know times and whether it's a you know um social media posts with you know the wrong locations or wrong times on games or <laughs> games not being you know scheduled until you know or confirmed until a few days out in advance or you know a handful of things it just feels like there are things that happen in the bbl that you know, don't really happen in other leagues, or if they do, they don't happen much, or you never hear about it because you just assume that, that everything's handled, you know, top down in an orderly manner. Um, you know, so I, I just think there's, there's a, a sense and not, not just me, you know, from talking to other people that like, uh, you know, the, the league overall just kind of needs to take a step back and say, Hey, how serious are we about what we're doing? And if we are as serious as we say we are, how can we go about, you know, proving that and showing that and, and, and taking the steps to, to being considered a top, you know, a top league in the world? Seconded. I stand with you. Agree on all those things. Um, let's talk about playoffs. Um, and it's that time of year where you're a few weeks away from getting home. Um, and everyone wants to get home. You know, you're close to your family. You want to get back. You want to see friends. Um, do you guys talk about consciously about we need to keep our focus we've got to forget about summer we've got to forget about vacation or do you block it out or does it creep in every day now because the clock's ticking down <laughs> yeah absolutely it's uh the, the conversations are definitely had you know I, I think uh you know guys have their countdowns and stuff you know they just want to get home guys you know you're away from your family you uh you might miss some foods or you might miss some friends or whatever you miss um but I, I think uh, we have, and I'm assuming most other teams have as well, of, of you know, being able to, to catch yourselves and say, yeah, no, that all sounds great, but we do have a job to do. We, we are, you know, we do have, you know, hopefully what, three games left for us now, hopefully. Um, so, um, and like I said, I imagine most teams and most guys are that way, but uh, it definitely, there, there's, there's, it's more than a creeping thought. You know, I would say most people probably act on it. I know I've started packing up some things that, that I don't need, you know, some uh, winter clothes and whatnot, just putting it in the suitcase so it doesn't take me as long to pack once the season is over. But, um, you know, I think for, for all of us, we're, we're, we're professionals. So you tell yourself first and foremost that uh, you have a job that has to get done before you can uh, be back on the plane. What is that food that you can't wait to have that you can't get in Leicester? <laughs> I'm uh we actually have this conversation. It feels like it comes up like once a month in the uh in the changing room between the team. But uh you know there's a lot of different answers. Mine that I'm going to have for there's a lot. There's just a lot of food that uh that we just can't get here in Leicester that I love about back home, but uh the first I'm going to have is Wendy's, which is a fast food joint. Um I think they have the best fast food burgers. Uh you know, I, and I tend to stay away from fast food in season. I don't eat too much fast food in the off season either, but Wendy's burgers they they don't taste like fast food, you know, they taste like someone sat down and you know tried really hard to give you a good burger and then uh their frosties the ice cream they have is also really really good so that's going to be my fresh off the airplane out of the airport i'll probably grab one before i even make it home to shower i'm going to get triple cheeseburger and a frosty 
Their frosties are very good. I will agree on that when the burgers I can't yeah. test for as a vegetarian, but yeah, <laughs> I, I will I will give you that. Do we have Wendy's in the UK? I mean, they have them in London, I think, didn't they? No? Really? I did not know that. I might have to make a trip to London to get Fairly Wendy's. I'm certain that they're expanding in the UK. So there we go. You may not have to, you may even be able to get a Wendy's. Might not have to wait. Quicker, exactly. O2 Arena, yeah, if you're there, you win. There's your reward, a bus trip to find the nearest Wendy's. <laughs> on Sunday. Um, Glasgow this weekend. I mean, it's a kind of unusual one because of the, the schedule and TV schedules had to get worked up. But you go to Glasgow at 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, watch it in the BBL player with myself and Kieran. Let's get the plug in there. Um, Monday night, live on Sky, <laughs> back at the morning side arena. I mean, they're a team. And you, you swept them in the regular season, but they're, they're playing really well. You know, and you beat them a month ago again, but it was one of those end of season kind of games. Um, how do you view it? What's the matchup like? Because, you know, you're, you guys are the favourites. Yeah, um, you know, I think there's there's always a little bit of added pressure, you know, being the favorites. They come out, you know, with an underdog mentality and, you know, tell themselves that, you know, basically anything we do is uh, is good, you know, because people are expecting us to lose anyway. So they can play free and they can play loose and they got a group of guys that are capable of making shots that are capable of defending well. Um, so, you know, I think we're definitely going to have our work cut out for us. But, uh, you know, I think we just we just go into this business minded as we've done all year. And, um, you know, just kind of try and keep the ball rolling, trying to keep the, the, the machine moving forward. Um, because we know that, 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 you know, any, any time we take the foot off the gas or any time we kind of try and overlook anything that the teams in this league and the players in this league are skilled enough to beat you. And, um, you know, that team, especially, I think we, we can't underestimate them. Um, like I said, they've got talent. Uh, so, you know, it's gonna, I'm, I'm looking forward to a good, a good couple of games this weekend. How much are you driven by that treble? Because apart from obviously the slip in the trophy, you guys have dominated this season. You've played so well from, from the get-go. Um, would it feel... I mean, you've got two trophies. You've got the league, and the league's the one that we all kind of admire because it rewards consistency. But it, would it be... Would it land on a sour note? Would it feel like it's not been the true potential of the team if you don't lift that playoff title? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's definitely our goal. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, even with the trophy, I think we kind of um, kind of sleptwalked our way in, into into that first round game a little bit. Um, I, I think we kind of, yeah, it's hard to explain kind of the feelings that were in the locker room, but we didn't come out and bring our best game. And I think, you know, going into it, we were kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. And then after, you know, it was a really sour, uh, sour feeling because we felt like it was an op we did have an opportunity to get a, tr a trophy there as well, you know? So I think, um, you know, obviously not being able to get the clean, clean sweep, the next best thing we can do is, is try and secure this playoff, uh, playoff final and get a third trophy. And, uh, you know, again, I think it'll just be a better feeling for everybody going home on a win rather than losing your last game and then trying to, uh, to console yourself saying, well, we won, you know, two trophies before because, you know, the old saying, you're only as good as, as your last performance and whatnot. So I think that um, it's definitely, definitely something that we're kind of laser focused on at the moment. No, I've thrown Wendy's into the mix. You're, you're, you're ambitious. Yeah, exactly. I definitely can't, can't go to Wendy's after a loss. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let you out of here in, in three questions. Um, who would play you in the movie of your life? Ah, who would play me in a movie of my life? That's a good question. I want to say Will Smith, but I feel like he's too old. I, just, I don't even Thomas. know if I know any young actors. Yeah, I'm. Mean, I'm just gonna have to stick with Will Smith. Maybe do some uh, some some Marvel de aging stuff and 
see if that'll work and not head anywhere but you know apart from that yeah uh, that as well <laughs> if, if you could trade places with one person alive or dead for a day who would you trade with if i could trade places with one person for a day uh probably my daughter she's got it made she doesn't have any responsibilities she just gets to sit around use the bathroom someone else takes care of it someone else feeds her you know she's kind of she's kind of got it made she doesn't doesn't have to do much i think i would like to be a baby again and just <laughs> not have to do anything no one's ever said that before i do you win points for originality and <laughs> uh, if you get a one superpower what would you choose and what would you do with it uh super speed uh i i would just uh what would i do with it and what wouldn't i do with it i tried to read books super fast and learn everything but i definitely just use it in basketball the most uh you know as soon as you get a rebound just go score before the other team can do anything about it i think it puts you in good shape to win some games well, we'll see if you can win two games this weekend and one the weekend after it's that time of year and um, two-time bbl player of the year gina crandall thank you so much for joining us in the mvp cast um and continued success and all that you're doing on and off the court yeah thank you so much thank you that is it for this edition of the mvp cast if you want to subscribe Go to your preferred podcast provider or you can stream every single edition at mvp247.com. Just head to the podcast page. If you want to get in touch with me, and it's always brilliant to hear from you, please get to reach out on Twitter at Mark Bripple. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much for listening and it's goodbye.